Are we hot? We're live? We're live. All right. A little rambly, but... Yeah, no, awesome. Right, hello, TikTok. <laughs> oh, yeah, let's... Hey, you got Ming. Hey, what's up, everybody? There he is. What's up, everybody? <laughs> yes. I do like this. <laughs> All right, hey. Wow, we got, a lot of, we got a lot of watchers. Well, I, Gerard Michaels, am excited to be here for the inaugural, the premiere, the very first episode of... Uh, Antagonistic America. Like I said, I'm Gerard Michaels. And uh, the voice of God you're hearing over there in the audio booth is is producer extraordinaire Ming. Hello, everybody. That, that, that doesn't sound very godlike. That was very well produced, Ming. Way to hit your cues. So what, what do we got going on here? What What is Antagonistic America, all right? Well, first of all, I, I'm a comedian, and I said to myself, I will never, under any circumstance, have a podcast. I'll just never do it. It's been done. It's been done. It's been overdone. It, it's like Donald Trump's steak. Well, well, well done. Uh, if you don't believe me that everybody on earth has a podcast, try coming up with a name for a new podcast. As a, as a thought exercise, anybody listening to this, go ahead, get in front of your, your Google tube and just Google any name of a podcast. I guarantee you it's been done. So... I said I would never do this. I would never do this. People have been asking me for years to do a podcast. I'd always be a guest on other people's podcasts. I've done Compound Media. I've done Barstool. You guys that, that have been following me for years know that. But I never did my own podcast because, you know, I, I, I just felt it was the next evolution. Like, uh, it, it's just it's just too cliche almost, man. It's like, you know, every girl that worked at Hooters that I've ever met, it, you know, they, they said they swore to God they'd never strip. And then you follow their Instagram three, four years later and, and there they are. But they're not stripping. They're, they're a bartender at a strip club. And um, if you think that that's a sexist joke instead of an anecdotal truth acquired from uh, years of lived experience, this is not going to be the podcast for you. So I am very excited to be coming to you live from the well, – well, not live. This is recorded live uh, here at the Jersey Shore uh, at, at a shared universe podcast studio. And what can you expect out of this podcast? And why did I break my rule and create a, pro a, a podcast? One, because a lot of you asked for it. Um, you guys got sick of my my forty five tab uh, <laughs> stories on Instagram, and uh, you know my my on TikTok my <laughs> my my seventeen part TikToks, and Facebook decided they were going to give me a thirty day content ban. So you know what? I've got to go somewhere else. They cannot deplatform me. I am replatforming myself, and we're going to talk about the hard things uh, that nobody seems willing to talk about here. But it, it's also not going to be my niche to, you know, that's what they say when you when you start a podcast, you do any sort of content, man. They're like, you got to have a niche, you got to have a niche. No, this isn't this isn't DIY cabinet making. This is not my niche is going to be truth, honesty, and questions about the world as I see it. Um, Really, why I started this podcast, to be brutally honest, is I can't be funny anymore. I am not funny anymore. Uh, people that have been watching my special uh, that just came out, you should check it out, Vimeo On Demand. Vimeo really came through after Amazon screwed me. Vimeo On Demand, Gerard DGAF, Gerard Don't Give a Fuck. You know, uh, you guys can check that special out for $3.99. Very, very affordable, poverty-priced. Use your stimmy check. Uh, but I was getting messages from people, well-meaning messages, 
And they were saying, dude, I, I almost forgot you were funny because I have been posting so much serious stuff for so long. And the truth of the matter is, I, I think that these are very, very serious times. And it it's unsettling to me how... What's the word I want to use? It's it's unsettling to me uh, how laissez-faire everybody is about what I find to be just just ex- the extreme moment that we're in. Um, on the one hand, you you all deserve to be commended. Uh, this is something that I never hear on the news. This is something I never hear from our politicians or our lecturing celebrities. The American people and people worldwide, the global community voluntarily sacrificed so much for the well-being of strangers. They gave up their rights. They gave up their freedom. They gave up their 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 livelihoods uh, all to save people that they'll never meet in their lives. And they've never been commended even once for that. Um, but knowing government the way that I know it, having been in government, having been in politics— uh, I knew, uh, many of you think I'm cynical, many of you think I'm crazy, but I knew for a fact, once we gave these rights away, they were never going to come back. Once we gave these people power, they never voluntarily handed back. And that's where we find ourselves almost 14 months after the the, the pandemic started, the crisis, um, you know, be, became public. Um we find ourselves still to you know not to be hyperbolic we find ourselves glorified political hostages uh where your life is the freedoms that you have your ability to to life liberty and prosperity are completely dependent on your geography right now if you are living in Texas if you are living in Florida if you were living in Georgia if you were living in in New York, California, Michigan, your rights as an American are completely and totally different. Your ability to earn a living is completely and totally different. So with that in mind, it becomes harder and harder for me to make dick jokes. Um, So really, this is a cathartic thing for me. And maybe some of you out there are, are thinking through the same problems that I'm thinking through. Maybe some of you out there uh, have the same questions that I have uh, that the powerful just never seem to answer, never they, they, they ignore. Uh, and then maybe by getting this off my rather sizable chest, my 60-inch chest that bench presses 500 pounds. Um, that was a little Alex Jonesy. But the... <laughs> but the uh, if maybe by getting this off this off the chest, you know, we we can we can begin to get back to a place where dialogue and, and disagreement are, are not seen as acts of war. Um, differences of opinion are not cancelable. Uh, we can get back to a you know a place of of trust, and I think that that's the big word here is trust. We have lost, or we have been conditioned. To lose all trust in our fellow man. And as somebody that has traveled this country for 17 years, I've been north, south, east, west. I've uh, had red hot nights in blue states and I've gotten blue balls in red states. Uh, Americans, red, white, black, green, yellow, anything in between, 
If you're some of those colors, you should probably get checked by a doctor. But everybody is genuinely, basically a good person. I'm telling you, the people I've met coast to coast are good people. They just want to live their lives. They just want to be respected. They just want to be allowed to leave their kids a better world than they came in. They want to enjoy themselves. They want to be left alone. They are not bad people, and they do not have bad intentions. I know that to some people listening to this, especially in Gen Z, that sounds asinine. That sounds probably naive to your Gen Z ears. You've been conditioned to look at every single person as a suspect. Every single person since you were a child was going to spike your Halloween candy. They were going to kidnap you. They were going to take away your life and your liberty from you. And that's why you, you can't go anywhere with strangers unless the stranger is brought to you by almighty computer on an app, in which case you'll get into anybody's car at any time at night. Because almighty app, almighty computer tells you it's okay. You don't trust humans, you trust technology, and that's fine. I understand that. I'm not, I'm not Ted Kaczynski. I'm not some anti-technology person. Technology ha- has done amazing things for what we've been able to use technology for, but technology is a tool. A- and in many ways, I think this younger generation has been conditioned to think that technology is God. Technology you know, is this... this deity, AI is this deity that they can just trust, you know, blindly. Again, you would never get into a stranger's car at night, drunk, a group of four girls. But in Asbury Park, there's just a whole bunch of Toyotas that line up at two o'clock in the morning and every drunk girl just jumps into the first one. Are you my Uber? You know, you could be on the parkway before that guy says no, you know, and be in big time trouble. And now they've exacerbated that with COVID. Now we all wear masks, and we're not going to get into the validity of that. But what that did psychologically is it forced us to view every single human we interact with as a potential threat. You know, um, and I think that that's just a horrible, horrible, horrible development that's going to take many years to, to overcome. You should meet people with open arms. You should meet people uh, and embrace them and, and anticipate the best out of them. Uh, again, that's not naive. You, you should always be prepared for the worst. You know, I, I'm a gold medalist in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. I've, I've, I've done, you know, uh, I've grappled at a world-class level. I've, I've boxed. You know, I go to the range all the time. I am a prepared guy. Right? And I understand at my size it may be a little bit easier to, to, to be a little more open-minded when meeting new people. But at the same time, you know, part of my job as a comedian is to walk into cities I've never been and go and meet people that I've never met before. And, and you, you get the energy you give in a lot of ways. Ming, am I rambling right now, Ming? Am I rambling? Not at all. You're, I travel a lot as well. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I... I I go to these weird cities, but I, I'm trusting of everybody, and nothing's happened, thank God. As of yet. As of yet. I hope yeah. I didn't jinx myself, but uh, you know, I'm also Asian. There's a lot of stuff going on right now. Oh, but, stop Asian but I, hate. Yeah, yeah, but I, I, I'm pretty non-threatening, so, yeah. but, I mean, so are old, old Asian women, so who knows, man? Speaking of, just a sidebar on that, and this goes to, this is going to circle back to the, the, the total gaslighting that we're getting from the powers that be. Uh, 
the Democratic Party uh, tweeted out a picture of uh, FDR yesterday. Um, and it was something about um, they called him a socialist and all he did was end the Great Depression. And uh, one, Democrats are just stumping for socialism now. Okay, straight up. Two, that's a pretty bold thing to tweet out. Three tweets after stop Asian hate. You know, like, are we, have we just lost our minds? Are we not teaching history in this country? We've lost our minds a long time ago. Uh, I think that's why you're podcasting right now. That's right? why I'm podcasting. <laughs> We've lost our minds. This is the, yeah. If it's the end of days, I said I'd never do it, but it's, yeah, here we are. Yeah, for those that don't know, probably again, Gen Z, um, there were these things called internment camps where FDR took anybody who was any sort of, looked Asian at all. We were at war with Japan. And he could have taken a Korean, Chinese, people who hated Japan. He would have taken Olivia Wilde and thrown her in a camp. You know, now, because he's a Democrat, they, they wouldn't call them concentration camps. It was called an internment camp. Or, you know, it wasn't kids in cages. It was a super fun time down at the border or whatever it's called now. Um, but, yeah, so three tweets after Stop Asian Hate, <laughs> we get... What was so wrong with this FDR guy? I don't get it. You guys don't like this guy? He's great. Yeah, I don't, it, it's, again, it's asinine to me. We'll get into that more in future episodes in depth. But for those that are new, for those that, that don't know who I am, let me give you a little backstory on me. Welcome to, to the, the weird, wacky, chaotic chaotic world uh, that, that is Gerard Michaels. Um, I, w- I, was a, I started out as an athlete. Uh, that was, that was a few Popeye's chicken sandwiches ago, but, uh, yeah, I was, I was a professional athlete. I was a a three-time All-American in, in college. I was actually the the 2006 National Player of the Year. A very, um, interesting stat, by the way, Ming, I know you're a sports fan. I was only the second catcher ever in the history of the NCAA to win National Player of the Year in baseball. The other, Jason Varitek. Wow, world uh, world champion Jason Veritek. World champion uh, yes. Jason Veritek. Smush-faced Alex Rodriguez, Jason yes. Veritek. <laughs> I'll always love him for that. I'll yeah. always love him for that. I was uh, I was actually teammates in in minor leagues in my last season in the minor leagues with Kevin Millar, and he called Jason Veritek the greatest, you know, human being he ever played with. So that's that's pretty high company. Um, Baseball America made the huge mistake of ranking me the second best prospect uh, from New Jersey. In our draft class, number one was a guy named Rick Porcello. He went on to win uh, a Cy Young Award as the best pitcher in Major League Baseball and is still pitching in Major League Baseball today. Uh, The number three prospect was a guy named Todd Frazier, who was a multiple-time All-Star in the Major Leagues and won a home run derby. I was the number two prospect, and I spend my Saturday nights telling jokes at VFW clubs. So, (laughs) you know, I guess the moral of that story, kids is uh, say your prayers, eat your vitamins, and your dreams will come true. <laughs> and also, Baseball America needs to get way better at their job. That's, that's that. So Hulk Hogan had it right, you're telling me. Yeah, well, with some things, not yeah. with all things. <laughs> yeah, but um, yeah, <laughs> the Hulkamaniacs. Now, sidebar on that as well, one of the worst days of my childhood, Ming, was the day Hulk Hogan turned heel. The day I, I'm I'm gonna out myself here. 
Um, people that that know me know know my my good friend Al Snow. Uh, you know, calls me Mark Gerard for a reason. In the wrestling business, uh, a Mark is a super fan. I am a wrestling Mark. Uh, I, I this is gonna so. Take everything that I have to say. Take take all the, the the commentary that I have about these intricate geopolitics that I'm going to be talking about in this podcast, and and and, and wash it through the lens of you're being lectured at by a huge wrestling fan. So you know, take everything with a grain of salt. That's why I'm here to ask more questions than I am to to, to solve them. But uh, yeah, that was I can still remember. Watching that, and the outsiders coming out, and Hall and Nash, and I never liked Razor Ramon. He was always a bad guy. And then uh, Hogan, Hogan turns heel, and he and he and he talks about what was that? Was that at the beach bash? Was that at the the bash at the beach? If I remember correctly, Hogan turns heel, and I got to tell you. And then you know what? It ended up being the greatest thing that ever happened in wrestling. The NWO came out, and it changed everything about wrestling. And uh, that that was the catalyst for the attitude era of the WWF at the time. Now the WWE. There is no Stone Cold Steve Austin. There is no is The Rock Dwayne Johnson. He was Rocky Maivia, and they had him walking around with a pineapple at that time. Um, it, it was very campy, you know. And this changed everything, and it became like a street fight. And I got to tell you, you know, for for a, a young boy growing up. This was days of our lives. This was this was my soap opera. This was a soap opera with muscle-bound cats. It was it was awesome. Um, but getting back to uh, what we're talking about. So after I played uh, five years of minor league baseball, and then after I got done with baseball, I uh, I got into politics, and I actually um, to to go back to my my political journey. I went into college as a pretty liberal guy. I was very anti George Bush. I was very anti uh, no 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 blood for oil. Did not like um, like most like most college kids. I did not like uh, the Republican Party. I thought they were the bad guys. I thought you know Donald Cheney uh, uh, Cheney and Rumsfeld. I'm sorry, Dick Cheney, Donald Rumsfeld were two of the most evil people on earth. I had that one right, um, and I and I would actually protest. But then in college. Uh, you know the, the the performative feminism really started turning me off. I, I'll be honest to the the the, the left side, uh, the left wing of the Democratic Party, and you know we would get lectures in the, in the athletic department. It was almost like a Family Guy episode. We would sit every guy and every girl would sit one and then the other, and the 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 woman who was there to lecture would be like, "Statistics say one of these two men will rape you," and just like the Family Guy episode. I looked and I was like, that's not going to be me. And then the guy next to me was like, I don't know, maybe. Like, you know, like as a joke, that's a joke that can never get made today, my God. Uh, <laughs> and slowly but surely, it was the type of people that were attracted to that uh, mindset really turned me off to it. And I said, man, if these are Democrats, I'm, I'm probably not a Democrat. So if you're not a Democrat, you must be a Republican. And uh, I, I helped out with Scott Saprell's while I was still playing ball. I helped out with Scott Saprell's congressional campaign. Uh, I, I I did some some stumping for him, and then 
Um, he did really well, and that that got me hooked up with uh, the GOP, and then they got me a job in in Chris Christie's cabinet as, as uh, in OCR, way 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 down the food chain. I don't want I, way down the food chain in, in um, constituent relations. Uh, you know, I did some I did some writing, I did some speech writing, I did some some out front stuff. Um, but really, man, the more I was around that, they were pushing me hard. I was, I was 26, 27 years old. I just finished up a, a, a professional sports career, looked great in a suit. Uh, they wanted me to run for state Senate. They, the, the, the state GOP was, was really behind me. And, you know, after about a year, I realized, man, I am not a Republican. Like I don't agree with what we're doing here at all. And there was one completely, um, there was one story I, I've told on TikTok, but there was one time that just like turned th- this is everything I ever needed to know about politics in America really they they let me sit in on some some caucus meetings in, in the state senate when they were trying to get me to run so in the caucus meeting for people that don't know the caucus room is where everybody from one particular party or even a subsect of a party comes together and they discuss the the bills that are going to be voted on that day and they come up with a game plan of how they're going to vote which is the antithesis of representative government if you really think of it just off that because it's like that person should be representing their jurisdiction that voted them in they shouldn't just be one more member of a gang that's going to vote en masse but it's not the way it works. So they get together, and whoever the majority leader is, whether it's the the minority leader or the majority leader, depending on, you know, who who has more control of, of the house at the time, they'll lead the agenda and they'll say, okay, this is the these are the, the four bills we're voting on today, and this is how we're gonna vote. And there was one vote. There was a bipartisan bill. Bipartisan means both the Democrats and the Republicans had a sponsor on the bill. Um, it was two former teachers, one black woman Democrat from Patterson, if I remember correctly, and one white woman Republican from Wayne area, somewhere in North Jersey. Um, and the bill was anti-bullying. There had just been uh, a kid who got bullied in school and committed suicide. It was an awful, awful story. Uh, so they, they came together and it, it checked all the boxes, you know, it, one white woman, one black woman, both former teachers, bipartisan bill. But this was really the beginning of critical race theory, social stratification, and, um, you know, what I believe to be the degradation of more, uh, of merit-based society. Um, it, it was a Marxist bill, meaning there were social stratifications to this, all right? First of all, it essentially made bullying a hate crime, all right? And the punitive damages were ridiculous. Uh, the person who was bullied, their family can sue the bully's family, take their house, uh, massive punitive damages. Um, but the wild thing about it was by the the uh, you know what i call the victim totem pole of critical race theory uh a black kid could not bully a white kid a gay could could not bully a straight kid it, it the the person had to be within you know like i said these social stratifications so only only a straight white male kid was capable of bullying 
another straight white male kid. It was asinine. And this woman sitting in the caucus room was ripped to shreds for 10 minutes in the Republican caucus. Everybody's like, this is the dumbest bill in the history of bills. How could you think of something so stupid? How could how could you co-author something so ridiculous? And she just gets ripped to shreds. So then the minority leader sets up and says, okay, we are all in agreement. This bill is awful. Which one of you is going to stand in front of News 12 New Jersey and say, I am pro-bullying? The bill passed almost unanimously, Ming. After 15 minutes of, of them shredding this woman, the bill passes almost unanimously. And now, in fairness, uh, well, first, that became like the basis for a federal guidelines on bullying. It, it became that bill, I, I think it was 2010, that bill. I, I don't remember it exactly. Um, in my blog, I, I'll write about it more in depth, but you got to pay for that. That's not free. You're going to have to check me out on Substack, all right? <laughs> but I'll write about it more in depth. But the uh, it became the basis for like the bullying, I forget what it was called, like Bullying Bill of Rights or something like that. And the way politics really work, this is this is how the sausage really gets made. In future bills, they just put in pork that essentially took the teeth out of that law. And they said, all right, well, you can't take you can't take somebody else's house if your seven-year-old bullies another seven-year-old. All right. Like so they 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 declawed it eventually as pork and other bills. But I will never forget that. I will never forget sitting in there being young and idealistic and thinking that we were actually helping people and representing our Representing, you know, the, the the nobility of being a representative, falling, you know, following in the footsteps of of Washington and Jefferson and Adams and 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 the, these great revolutionary men, and really what it was was all right. Well, this is stupid, but I'm not going to take the heat from the media, so let's just pass the bill and then we'll fix it later. And that turned me off to everything. Uh, that turned me off to the entire. That turned me off to the entire system. I said, this is. This is outrageous. Uh, another thing that happened was I knew, uh, you know, Christy, Chris Christie and, and Steve Sweeney were, were attacking each other at each other's throats every day in the media over, over the teachers union. And then I go down to Atlantic City to the, to the uh, what's it called, the, the knife and fork, the fork and knife. It's a real good steakhouse there at the end of the boardwalk. And who is sitting in the back room away from everybody enjoying a steak and a bottle of wine together, laughing it up like they're best friends, Chris Christie and Steve Sweeney. Republican and Democrat, they've got neighbors throwing dog shit over their yards at each other. They've got family members breaking up. They, they, they've got Republicans and Democrats fighting each other fighting each other like the Hatfields and McCoys. Meanwhile, here they are after rabbling all that rousing all that rabble, enjoying a $300 meal together in Atlantic City. And that was really all I needed to know, man. That was really all I needed to know. And that was at the state level. And then a lot of the people that I worked with ended up going federal, and I kept in touch with them. And uh, it, it, apparently, it is ten thousand times worse at the federal level than it is at the state level. So we that that brings us to to kind of where we are in our country today. And, and you know, the the I left obviously I, I left uh, politics altogether for a very uh, lucrative job in pharmaceutical sales. I decided being a a drug dealer was a far, far more noble uh, profession 
than than being a, a governmental aide and a poli- and an aspiring politician. And um, you know, made my money, lost it all in bad business ventures, <laughs> and and resurfaced as a uh, resurfaced as a um, as a comedian. And uh, I've been very very lucky to tour the country with some some phenomenal comics. It was very very lucky to. To uh, you know, open for guys like you know Todd Barry, Tom Green, Kevin Hart. Tour with Caroline Miljavic. Tour with Andrew Kahn. Tour with Catfish Cooley. And um, you know now I've accumulated the social media following thanks to you great people. Where where you guys give me a little bit of a voice in this crazy world. And that brings us to this podcast here at a shared a shared universe where we're going to talk about. Look, you folks that have been following me that 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 little rant and ramble there. That was for the folks that don't know me. But for most of you that do know me who have been following me for years, you know that I will never bullshit you. I may not be right. You can disagree with me. Uh, I I do not pick a side because I think sides are stupid. I, I am on the side of logical consistency, intellectual integrity, and for lack of a better term, true justice. Okay. I, I think everybody who has a profit incentive in their worldview is sus. Anybody who has any sort of profit incentive in their worldview needs to be taken to, to the woodshed. If you, you don't just get to sell me your worldview and I just have to shut up and take it. Sorry, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. You don't just get to cry and whine and bitch and moan and then we shut up and give you all of our money. All right. If you're going to be the savior you claim to be, do you understand the the audacity of somebody like a Bernie Sanders, like an Ocasio Cortez, where they say to you, "Give me all your money," and money just represents hours of your life. You get money from the, the hardworking hours of your life, right? So give me all of the hours of your life, and I will fix everything. I will fix the weather if you give me all your money. All right, prove it. <laughs> like that's at some point you can't just say that shit. Show the math, <laughs> and then you can't turn around and say, "Well, math is racist." You know, you can't say asking these questions is white supremacist. Nah, homie, I'm not offering the money. You're trying to take it. Explain why I should give it to you. And that that's my worldview. I, I am. I, I, I guess I'm libertarian. I'm not a huge fan of the Libertarian Party, but I'm also, I'm also not a fan of authority. I'm an iconoclastic. I'm a dick. I know that. I get that. But anybody who wants power, anybody who desires power, to me, has to explain every step of the way why they deserve to have it and why they deserve to keep it. We have given away so much of our personal autonomy. We have given away so much of our lives. We have given away so much of our freedom, so much of our assets, so much of our of our hard-earned money. These people need to explain themselves. And enough already with the, the, the good intentions bullshit. That old cliche, the parable, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. I don't care how good this bill was supposed to be. I don't care how good this idea was supposed to be. Actions are what matters. Okay? Every communist you talk to, 
well, this is going to be the greatest utopia of all time. It's going to be incredible. Well, every single time it's been tried up to this point, it's been nothing but famine and genocide. So now it's incumbent upon you to prove otherwise. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like the, you, the, these people, they just want they just want to be listened to. It's it's asinine. And no, I I am not that. Now, as soon as I go after the left, people on the right are immediately like, "Yes, he's on our side." No, no, you guys fuck up too, man. I am no Trump apologist. Do I think Trump is overhated? Yes, I do. But I think he brought it all on himself. He fought fights that weren't necessary to fight. And for all of his bluster, for all of his tough guy antics, when it came time to actually show a little chutzpah, he let an army of Starbucks baristas take the country by force. <laughs> so, enough. Enough. And then you guys want to, you guys, again, another thing with Republicans drives me out of my mind, immigration. Everybody, you you complain, and rightly so, complain about these far-left wingers hating the country, these communists trying to turn American communists. Why don't they just move to a communist country? I agree. But then you have people who are dying to come into this country. You have people that are literally, right now, at this moment, laying in shit because they want to be a part of our nation, because they want to be a part of... Uh, of what we have. They believe in the American dream and we mock them. Where's AOC? Where's AOC? How come, how come she's not crying at the border? It's callous. The nativist bullshit, it's got to go. Nationalism, we'll talk about that in, in the third episode of this. Whether it's white nationalism, black nationalism, which yes, is a thing and yes, it is a danger, right? And just any sort of nationalism whatsoever, which is all fascism is, by the way. All a Nazi is, all these all these commies in Antifa, punch a Nazi. All a Nazi is, all a fascist is, is a commie with a heavy dose, a heavy sprinkle of nationalism. Communism is a global I- I- ideology. Fascism is communism on a national scale. That's just to oversimplify a very complex topic. That, that's basically what it is. All right? So... No, I'm not on your side. I'm not. I, I I am always open to changing my mind also. That's another thing that drives people out of their minds. You may look back at videos from five years ago. I'll tell you one thing. One thing I very notably changed my mind on. I, I used to think that the trade deficit that we had with China was good for America. I was very supply side. It was a very Reagan, Republican, trickle-down uh uh, economic policy, supply side po- uh, economic policy, where I thought, what the hell? We, we're not going to have slave labor here in America. So if, if China's going to have slave labor and they're going to sell their products, we can't compete in manufacturing. I think it's a good thing that, you know, my, my shirt, my, my underwear costs $5 at Walmart. And if we put tariffs, people would have to pay $7 for their underwear and that would be a terrible thing. And that was my, that was my thinking at the time. I have since changed my mind. I have been shown information that has completely 180'd my idea on that. And I did not vote for Trump the first time. I thought the trade war with China was stupid. And I'm wrong. He was right, as much as that pains me to say. 93%, man, I don't know if you know this, 93% of all of our pharmaceuticals, the pharmaceuticals that we consume, all right, they're developed here in America, but they are produced in China and India. 
So if China really wanted us, gone. If China really wanted us 86th, it would take one bad batch of Oxycontin and the entire eastern seaboard would, would be gone. You know, that to me is a clear and present danger. There's no amount of savings in the world that is worth that giving up that much of your, your, your personal security to a foreign entity, right? So I was wrong. I, w- I was wrong. Uh, and, and so, again, some people can see that as flip-flopping. I see that as evolution of thought. I, I don't know everything. Hell, I don't know anything, folks. What I do know is that I am here to ask hard questions of people. Eventually in this podcast, we're going we're gonna to have guests. Uh, if you guys uh, email us or if you, you, you hit me up on TikTok. What's up, everybody on TikTok? Hit me up on TikTok. You guys can uh, hit me up on on uh, Facebook, on Instagram. You send me your, your questions. You send me your send me requests for people that you want on the podcast. Send me the questions you'd like me to ask them. I'm here to be a voice for you. Th- this is a podcast for the working man. This is and woman. I, sorry, you know, and or whatever, however you identify. Um, but I do want to be a proxy for you. What my my ultimate goal in this is to be more entertaining than I was here in this first hour. <laughs> but introductions are never never really entertaining. So come back to episode two, three, and four. It's going to take us a little bit to get our, our rhythm here. I promise you, I, I am an entertaining cat. Give it a shot. All right, but also what I would like to do is, is to be able to distill down some high-level concepts from people that I really, really appreciate. Uh, people like you know Jordan Peterson, Brett Weinstein, James Lindsay, Helen Pluckrose, uh, you know, um, Thomas Sowell, uh, some really, really high level intellectual thinkers and try to distill down the thoughts that they're processing in a way that, that common people like myself can understand them. And in a, in a methodology that's going to be interesting enough for you to keep paying attention. Um, you know, I, I, we need to understand what is happening in our world. We need to understand why it's happening, and we need to start asking some real serious questions from the people in charge. Uh, because the 10,000-foot the view I'm seeing as a guy who has who's studied history extensively is not great. Uh, we're entering a period of uh, about to be hyperinflation. Uh, if you look at what the Fed has done... They printed more money in this what's called QE5, quantitative, quantitative easing five. They printed more money in the last 11 months than in the entire history of our country combined. That is a bad thing. And, uh, well, we don't know if it's a bad thing. Something called modern monetary theory, MMT, they think that that's just the future. So the future is always borrowing from the future. You, there, there's Who are you borrowing from? There is no such thing as real actual debt because what are they going to do? Not give it to you. They're just going to let the countries fail and not get their money back. So essentially they these modern monetary theorists have turned our lives into one giant Ponzi scheme. We are going to be constantly borrowing from the future to pay for today. Um, and, and I guess the trick there is don't be the last one. Don't be the one caught with the bag. Um you know, but it would be pretty funny if we acted like our government. Wouldn't it, Ming? If we just ran up all our credit cards, we just ran ran our credit cards completely up, and then when they were like, "Nah, hey, it's time to pay," you're like, "Nah, just raise raise my credit limit three times, and I'll pay what I owe." You know, like, can you imagine? You know what the difference is, Ming? 
aircraft carriers. We don't have aircraft carriers. So, yeah. So I'm going to try to distill down these, these really tough topics. Um, again, I appreciate you guys listening to this first episode. We had to get through. We got we had to get through this first episode to explain what the podcast is. Uh, but there's going to be a couple episodes. I'm going to post two or three at a time so that you know you can get to the good stuff. Uh, and I'm going to be distilling down some really really tough topics. We're going to be talking about white supremacy. We're going to be talking about black nationalism, the Nation of Islam. We're going to be talking about uh, what I believe to be uh, globalist communism. You know, by by any other term that that has Essentially, we've lost a war without even knowing that we're fighting it. Uh, we, we've given up freedoms that are, we're never going to get back. Uh, there's some pretty interesting theories uh, that, that I'm going to put forward. Ooh, conspiracy. Oh, conspiracy theories. Man, I, I can't wait for us to go back to the times when these conspiracy theories were wrong. <laughs> I'm old enough. I'm old enough to remember when people w- were making fun of two weeks to flatten the curve, saying, "What's next? We're going to need vaccine passports." Hello, here we are, one year later. Wow, we in one year. It took us twelve months to be like, "Oh yeah, of course I'm, I need a vaccine passport. Why wouldn't I? Why wouldn't I need to show the government my papers? What are we doing? What are we doing? The freedoms we've given up. It's nuts. It's crazy. Am I crazy? This new normal's insane. It's insane. You have people actually." promoting this you have people actually saying zuby zuby had an unbelievable comment uh zuby's a, a rapper from from the uk who who has kind of been like the tip of the spear in the entertainment industry of of the the counter woke movement um and, and he had a great line he said you know and i'm not an anti-vaxxer at all by the way people i'm not an anti-vaxxer but this is a great line where he said i cannot imagine a world where Perfectly healthy people have to inject themselves with a foreign substance for their government to give them back their basic rights. And those people that don't think that's a good thing are considered crazy. It, it, it's it's so true. It's an insane it's an insane reality that we're living in. It, this is almost to me like Ming, you're a big comic book guy. This is like a Lex Luthor plot to Batman. That like, 20 years ago. What we're living in here, Bill Gates was a, a Superman bad guy, right? Like this is Lex Luthor isn't even he couldn't even come up with this. No, you know, he he's couldn't. not. He's not evil enough to come up with this. It's so. insane. <laughs> it is. This is like a Ra's al Ghul. You know, this is this is League of Shadows, population control, and as crazy as that sounds, there are people that have actually voiced that opinion in public. And that that's one of the, I guess, cool would be the wrong word, but one of the interesting parts about the total domination from, from the far left over the last year is now they feel so comfortable in their control and in their power, they're starting to say the quiet parts out loud. They're starting to say things like, well, we only need three or four of these uh, in, in a decade and we can get climate uh, control on, under you know, under wraps, and it's like, whoa, 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 what, what did you just say? You just say, you did you just say you need to put the entire population on house arrest every three years to get climate change under what? Like, come on, <laughs> hold on here, man. Uh, all right, so I'm gonna wrap this up. I'm gonna try to keep every episode to 60 minutes. This was uh, this was a lot of fun. I, I appreciate you listening. If you can, uh, if you made it this far, why don't you go a little further? Listen to our next couple episodes and uh, check out my special if you haven't checked it out. It's the non-essential comedy special. You can check it out on Vimeo on demand. Uh, I am Gerard Michaels over in the audio booth. That is Ming. 
He waved. You're just going to have to trust me. And uh, you're going to be able to watch this. Where, where are they going to be able to find this podcast, man? Uh, it'll be on iTunes. It'll be on Spotify, uh, you know, Google Podcasts, Amazon Podcasts. Uh, you know, it's, it's live on your TikTok. It'll be everywhere. It'll everybody. be everywhere, baby. All right. Love y'all. Remember what I always say, man. Love who you are. Love where you're from. We'll see you soon. Welcome to Antagonistic America.